Greetings, gamblers, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week, we watched Uncut Gems, a movie about my experiences with CSGOblackjack.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we watched Uncut Gems. This was my pick. Uh, this is a movie that I just had kind of been wanting to watch out of curiosity for a while, because... I saw it on Netflix, and I was like, Adam Sandler in a serious role. That's ridiculous. It can't possibly be good. And then I asked around, and I think it was Will was like, no, it's good. I was like, whoa. Uh, so <laughs> It is really good. It is good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, and I needed an excuse to watch it, and what do you know? I have a movie podcast, so we watched it. Um, so I'm going to recap it real quick, which is there's a lot going on in this movie so we'll we'll get into details um, like yeah hitting on every single little like chain and it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of story you know yeah <laughs> that's a crazy. good way to describe it's, it everything affects the other <laughs> yeah so the movie opens in a mine in Ethiopia in 2011 and there's like just been a collapse and it shows this dude's fucked up broken leg uh it's really gross and then some miners find a rock with I thought they were diamonds but it's an opal apparently uh fast forward to 2012 Adam Sandler owns a kind of like skeezy jewelry shop um and it's you know it's New York so you got like buzzers into the building and then buzzers into the shop and shit uh and he's got his buddy that works with him who i'm forgetting the name so i'm scrolling down on imdb uh <laughs> damani uh lakeith stanfield's character who basically like goes out and finds high profile figures in the city who may want to buy stuff so he brings in kevin garnett because it's 2012 uh <laughs> <laughs> and he's got Adam Sandler's character, uh, whose name is Howard, has this whole plan to get Kevin Garnett to borrow the stone in exchange for his Celtics ring so that Adam Sandler can pawn the Celtics ring, make a bet on Kevin Garnett in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference semifinals versus Philadelphia <laughs> Uh, in, like, a ridiculous parlay that nobody should ever do. It's a terrible bet. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Um, Thinking that with the power of the stone, Kevin Garnett will play better. Anyways, he does this, and, of course, things go off the rails, and there's just, like Will said, a Rube Goldberg machine of more bets and trying to just do all this, like, harebrained scheme bullshit when he could have gotten out of the debt he's trying to pay off with the betting just in the first place with the money that he used to buy the, the stone. Because you find out at the end of the movie, so he's $100,000 in debt to like his brother-in-law, who's a mobster for some reason. Uh, and also a bunch of other people that just show up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were the like thugs for the mobster. There's like yeah, other people. Oh, yeah. Though. Oh, yeah. God, I forgot about the other The like ones. Michael Jackson pendant dude. Yeah. It's a whole thing, but specifically the brother-in-law, he owes $100,000, and you find out at the end of the movie that he paid $100,000 for the the Opal Rock, so he could have just paid it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, a bunch of shit happens, uh, he wins the bet at the end, but then the mobster shoots him in the face and he dies. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and Julia Fox's character gets away. 
There you yeah. go. Right. Um, Maybe. Well, hopefully. presumably. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that she got away. I, you know, because well, yeah, like the, the I mobsters, yeah, the mobsters loot the store, so like they they get their money, and I mean they kill the brother-in-law and such. So, yeah, they're mobsters. Fuck them. She, you know, Julia is not. Nobody in this movie is really like great, but Julia is one of like two characters that I have sympathy for, other than like the kids. Everybody's yeah. kids, I feel bad for, <laughs> but they're like not really characters, so they don't matter. Fuck them kids as well. You heard it here first. Uh, Kids don't matter. (laughs) Children are not important (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) But yeah, uncut chibs. There you go. Basically, so let's... Okay, let's start with the the bets. Because this is a movie about gambling addiction, but, like, taken to a ridiculous length. And also, like... it's We were talking about this before we started, like, how much empathy should we have for this character and like should we make fun of him for being a dumbass and i think the movie kind of wants you to make fun of him for being a dumbass while also having some empathy for him yeah because it is an addiction uh but also he's dumb and he's just this like pathetic sniveling motherfucker yeah i was talking to will before the uh before we started recording he he kind of reminds me of the husband from fargo who's just like in over his head and constantly making it worse and just so pathetic as hell. Yeah, but it's his it's his whole life instead of like the Fargo husband uh, kind of like getting into this life. Yeah, like kind of all of a sudden, I guess. And like I don't know what he was up to beforehand, yeah. right? But uh, it would seem that like we're the movie kind of throws us in like in the middle of this guy's life where it seems like, okay, it's really the end of the life, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like the last couple but, of weeks. Yeah. But, but it seems like he has been doing this just forever, right? Like this is the way he lives. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cause you have this sort of backdrop of his wife, uh, the character played by Adina Benzel, who just really fucking hates him. Uh, and she's the other character that I have some, empathy for because like it sort of portrays her in this kind of cold manner where at times it's like oh should she be like nicer to our anti-hero adam sandler and the answer i always kept coming back to was yeah no because like all this (laughs) shit that's happening to him is his fault and he's like been cheating on her for years and throwing away money like uh, yeah no she i (laughs) There's a couple times in this movie where he tries to do the, like, anti-hero in the movie John McClane, like, oh, like, I won't fuck up anymore speech. And every time she just shoots him down and I love it. It's really funny. <laughs> the way, like, her, just, like, the pure hatred she feels towards this man. Which is incredible. Which she should. Yeah. She should, yeah. He is a terrible husband. <laughs> Just maybe the worst possible one. I mean, he's a guy who sells Furby pendants. Do you really want to be married <laughs> to a man who sells Furby pendants? I don't know, kind of. That's pretty funny. <laughs> like, if he only sold the pendant, if he just ran his company like normal, <laughs> that'd be fine. He'd probably make a lot of money, you know? The, the jewelry business is a lot of money in that, I would assume, right? But uh, obviously things are not quite going that way for him. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's just doing all this, like, mobster underworld gambling shit that he doesn't need to do. 
Which I sort of like raises a question to me of if gambling was legal and he didn't have to do all this shit or like fly to Atlantic City or whatever, would he be in all this mob trouble? But I don't really think that's what the movie is going for because I feel like the character would just get into that anyways. Yeah. You can still get into mob debt with legal gambling. I mean, who do you think runs the casinos half the time? <laughs> that is a good point, yes. Yeah, plus he, like, I don't know, it's like he maybe he started his business with, like, mobster money or, you know. Yeah. Like, maybe it didn't necessarily have to be gambling that did it. It could have been, like, the only reason he's even in this position to be, like, selling all this jewelry is... The fact that he owes all this, the fact that he borrowed so much money from the mob, also mm-hmm. his brother-in-law, or is it is it is he his in-law or like actual brother? I think he's an in-law. It's his brother-in-law, yeah, because he's married to his wife's sister. Because you have the whole Passover sequence where like his father-in-law is like grumbling about like how much he fucking hates their like Catholic Italian ass uh, <laughs> guy that married his daughter meeting arno um which i okay i have a question for you guys about the the mob structure here because arno is the name of the brother-in-law yep and he is referred to repeatedly in throughout the movie in a way that i made it seem to me like he was the boss at least at this level of of dealing He's the guy that, like, the thugs that keep coming by the store are reporting back to, and then you see him a few times, and then, oh, plot twist, he's his brother-in-law, yeah, whatever. But then at the end, like, the guy, the the thug guy just also shoots Arno, and I was like, wait, is this guy, was he in charge the whole time, or did he just, like, snap, because he got locked in this store for two hours and had to watch a basketball game? No, I think he just snapped, snapped. because, like, Phil, Phil is the one who's, like, always he's the one who's like you're fucking dead like he's he's the guy who's always on edge throughout the whole movie Mm -hmm. nico never says very much he's just like the short stocky thug gotcha but like okay that's what i thought constantly on edge yeah whenever arno is dealing with howard he seems sort of like reserved or is like kind of taking it easy on him and i guess maybe the more like angry thug was uh like kind of picking up on that and it was like frustrating him right because there's this like family tie and like he didn't want to murder his brother-in-law yeah <laughs> it's a bad look uh <laughs> so him like you know being like taken advantage of by like howard and all this stuff and like he was probably howard was probably going to get away with it had that guy not snapped right yeah mm-hmm. or at least like get away with it with his life i don't know if he would if he would have got away with the money but like, he probably would have ended up paying Arno, you know, a, a large sum Stolen. of money. I don't know yeah, if he'd yeah, pay Arno he paid it. He owes him 100000 He's probably going to charge him another 100000 in bullshit money. And, you know, he doesn't have to tell him that he won $1.2 million. He just gives him $200,000 and then walks away and leaves. He spells it out, though. He says oh, yeah, through he does. the door, it's like, I'm going to win $1.2 million. You're going to see, like, I'm right. <laughs> Because he's very stupid. Oh, yeah. Because he's he is a fucking idiot. Yeah. And he's right. It's so... Okay. Okay. The bets. We have to, we have to talk about the bets. Ugh. So, this is for those of you house. who are not familiar with sports 
betting and i hello yeah hello yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i okay i none of us are experts none of us live in states where that's illegal just to have some basic knowledge from the outside and it's something that gets brought up in sports news reporting all the time so i, I see this stuff so when you bet on games there's various things you can bet on you can bet on the outcome the spread so how much they're going to win by over under point totals player props so player point totals all this stuff now if you want to really go balls to the wall you can do something called a parlay where you have a series of bets that you're putting an initial amount on and when the if the first one hits it automatically rolls the winnings for that into a bet on the next thing in the sequence right so like a simple one would be like a three team parlay where you pick one NFL game in each of the three Sunday time slots. And if you get all of them, you basically massively improve the uh, so, amount of money you're winning. So it's right? an all or none situation. You can yeah, get one yeah, and all two or right, and then fuck up three and lose it all. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's the thing, right? So you, you can hit those first two games and you can be sitting there like, wow, I bet $1,000... And then that got rolled into the next bet on this ten to one odds. So now it's a hundred that or ten thousand dollars got bet on this other thing, and then I won that one. Now it's a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god, I could win a million dollars, and then you lose and you get nothing on the third one. So this fucking idiot <laughs> is doing a like six part parlay all on the Celtics on the money line, so just a win straight up and fucking Kevin Garnett's like stat lines. And also the second one, he bets on the opening tip. That is yeah. the first bet in the parlay, which means effectively he bet a hundred thousand dollars on a coin flip. That is so motherfucking stupid, <laughs> I cannot even begin <laughs> to process it. Um wow. so look, okay. In theory, betting on a parlay, it's not like inherently dumb because if you know it's an amount you can afford to lose and you should never gamble more than you can afford to lose and you happen to hit a few on something simple like a you know three-team nfl parlay you can win a lot more money than you would win just placing a you know third of that bet on each of the three games but starting it with a coin flip is <laughs> psychotic <laughs> It's, it's something the, that is already the first half yeah, second so. you could lose everything. Yeah, and like <laughs> this is how sports gambling is. There's so many props like that that people who aren't like gambling aficionados love, and some people who are just love that shit. You can literally bet on the coin flip at the Super Bowl, right? Uh, even more of a coin flip than a tip off. You could maybe think, oh, Kevin Garnett will beat whoever the fuck the Sixers center was in. 2012 at a tip off and you, you might be right but like still uh yeah that's i feel like you could basically write that off as a 50 50 unless they're putting like just a weirdly short guy on <laughs> you know like it's yeah. not you could look at like any current sixers game and be like joel and b will probably win the tip but like <laughs> most basketball games it's a 50 50 but he had the rock dude it's like what's his name <laughs> uh the dad of the L LSU's quarterback, what's his name? 
who was the LSU's quarterback who won uh, the Heisman Burrow? Joe Burrow, yeah. Yeah, his dad put like a $10,000 bet down on his son winning the Heisman at the very start of the season. Oh, yeah, he won a lot of money on that. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He's just like, oh my God. And like, how much? Like, I have no that idea. Is I like, it was like millions, right? Like I literally have to look that up right now. I probably in the hundreds of thousands, but because I mean, he's a quarterback for an SEC team, even if he wasn't expected to like go on to have arguably the greatest college QB season of all time. Uh, but, but also, he's a he was a QB for LSU who has never like LSU is a powerhouse because of their defense. And I know there's a bunch of LSU fans out here who are probably listening to this who are going to be pissed off at me, but I went to Tennessee, so fuck you. They have been rather inept with their offense, especially their passing offense. And this guy's like, fuck it, here's 10 grand on my son, day one. Oh, Tinker, I don't know why. I thought I heard uh, 100,000. 100 grand. No. So that's why I was like, oh, well, you know, he had to win millions, right? <laughs> okay. He just, a lot of money. That is a, uh, that's a method that didn't happen. It didn't happen. Oh. It was caught. There was a Fucking report ESPN that went around. Reported on it too. Yeah, so God, it wasn't ESPN him. Is garbage. It was somebody else placed a fifty dollar bet and won ten thousand dollars. Ah, so That's it got good. blown up out of proportion. Then, <laughs> yeah, the real dad betting story is uh, Rory McIlroy's dad betting on I knew Rory as a 15-year-old to win a British Open before the age 26 at 500 to 1 odds and won. Uh, <laughs> How much did he put on it? I don't know. It's amazing to me how much... You, I mean, you can literally bet on anything in Vegas. You you can bet on literally anything. And there is a great movie that... Uh, it's the remake of Rat Race. I've never seen the original that really highlights just how much dumb shit you can bet on. Like they have a guy blindfolded, grab a random chocolate out of a box and then tell everybody in the room what it was. And they all bet on what the chocolate was going to be. <laughs> like the little like Godiva <laughs> yeah. like, ones where it's like, this one tastes like toothpaste. This one tastes like caramel. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Huh. But yeah, anyways, back to this movie. So, okay, I just to be clear, I don't have a moral or ethical issue with gambling. I don't I don't care if you want to gamble, go ahead. I think it's fun. Um, but be smart about yeah, it. Yeah, putting putting more money than you can afford to lose. And this is more money than he can afford to lose on a six-part parlay of a single basketball game. Psychotic behavior. <laughs> do not do <laughs> yes. that. <laughs> One of the most self-destructive things you could possibly uh, do. And it's like that. Yeah. And like, I I think, okay, we're just going to talk here about what the point of the movie is. Because like the point of the movie is how destructive that behavior is, even when it works. Because he wins the bet. He's right. He, through the magic of the crystals in the stones and Marianne Williamson, Kevin Garnett does all this shit and they win the game and he wins the bet and his uh, mistress walks away with $1.2 million and then he gets shot in the fucking head. Yep. Yep. Uh, because he made a lot of people very mad with his behavior. Yes. <laughs> and that's the rest of the movie, which we will get into now beyond the, the actual sports bets is him just effectively 
gambling on real life constantly in Every also stupid ways. His... Yeah, and that's where he wins the two sports bets in the movie and he loses every single other gamble that he makes. <laughs> it's like he's it feels like he's trying to work his life into like like everything is like a cog that turns the other thing, you know, and like if yeah. the littlest thing goes wrong, like if so if one person is like late to something or doesn't get him like his like some ring so that he can pass it on to some other person uh-huh. <laughs> at like the right time, he's fucked. And, like this is yeah. constantly coming up, especially when he needs to get this. I think maybe you should state that this opal isn't actually magic. It just gives yeah. Kevin Garnett a lot of self-confidence. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It, it's, it's, it's a blood opal. <laughs> kind of funny to me that they let, that he was like cool with a movie <laughs> making him seem this insane. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Kevin Garnett and The Weeknd's celebrity appearances in this movie are very interesting to me. They're like the least flattering cameos I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, because all The Weeknd does is sing a song and then like do some cocaine and try to like make too many sexual advances on Adam Sandler's girlfriend. It's very weird. It's a bit, yeah, uh, and like it. <laughs> although it is really funny, all the jokes where they're like, <laughs> everyone's like, "Who the fuck is the weekend?" <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Never heard of it. It's true, yeah. In in retrospect, from twenty nineteen, it's amusing. And it's, I mean, even like the Kevin Garnett thing. This was interesting watching. I once I got the year figured out because for a minute I was like, "Wait, it it's two thousand eleven, right?" <laughs> yeah, it took me a second, but it's two thousand twelve. I was like, "Oh yeah, so the Celtics." They go to the Eastern Conference Finals, so they're going to win this series, and then they lost to the Heat in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So it's like, oh, they're going to win the game. So like, he's probably going to win this bet, I'm yeah. assuming. Though I can um, I can understand you missing the year, seeing as this movie opens with like a zoom-in of the gym turning into a colonoscopy. Uh, yeah, that I was... Can... <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I, I can understand you missing the like year printed on the screen, just trying to process that. Mm-hmm. What a, and, but what a transition it was. I feel like it really, it's like the movie in miniature, isn't it? It's really great. It was cool. And then I was like, oh, that's a rectum. Yep. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. So this movie, it does a lot of cinematography stuff that was interesting to me that works really well with making it very stressful that's the word that we've all used that anybody i know who's watched this movie has used is that it's just a very stressful movie oh yeah um and i i don't know enough about cinematography to sit here and tell you that it did something like innovative or mind-blowing or like world class but what it does with the camera and the music and the lighting and everything makes everything feel very stressful they did a really good job at assembling the movie to just stick you in that feeling and leave you there for two hours which is a lot all of the shots are very close up to people you don't get a lot you you hardly ever see anyone's like anyone from like the weight with the waist down we're mostly just on people's like faces real up close yeah like there's only like one or two times that we see the entire diamond store like it's always very close in on the conversations yeah like it's the movie can be uh, like very disorienting at times, you know, mm-hmm. which is like very on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, but, like, 
Because this man is so, like... Chaotic. He's in the moment to where, like, any other person would, like, break down from the stress. <laughs> if, if there is anything this guy is good at, it is handling a crushing amount of stress at any given time. Yeah. Because it is, uh, I don't know, like, his life feels like it's constantly unraveling and he's just, like, kind of sewing it back together in real time, trying to, but it's just not working. I like, I, you know, I, I actually haven't done this yet. I've meant to do this for a couple of movies, but I, I almost want to apply the, the classic D&D spectrum to this. And I would 100% call Adam Sandler's character chaotic neutral just because, like, he has a purpose and he does not care how he gets to the end goal for that. He's just gonna get there one way or another, no matter who gets hurt, if it's him, if it's his family, his friends, he's getting there. Yeah, like, doesn't seem to really consider the consequences if, like, anything goes wrong. You know, it's like, what if... Yeah. What if Kevin Garnett is late with the the stone to bring it back to you? And he is. He doesn't bring it back at first, mm-hmm. right? Like, and like he should have seen that coming, right? He saw how like infatuated with it he was. But like stopping and stopping for a second and like thinking is not this character's strong suit, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like the second he does, he like breaks down, just sobbing. You know, after he's. I guess at his lowest point up until he gets murdered later on, uh-huh. uh, where what was it? this is after he got like beat up and uh, yeah, I was they... gonna say like this is the one time where he takes like a physical beating instead of just a mental one, and that's what breaks him down. Yep, which yeah. is interesting to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Phil and the and Nico, I guess, just like beat the shit out of him and throw him in a fountain. <laughs> Yeah, because they get sick of him at that point. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, and, if, uh, okay. uh, like if you are if you are in like that state of mind where you're just so caught up in this reality where like you think you can win it all, and like we first see it when he like gets the gem out of the fish because the gem's been sent to him illegally, um, and like his coworker or his like employee is telling him like, "Hey, I've been working with you forever, and like these guys treat me like shit, and all you do is like throw a shirt at me. You're not helping me at all." Um, like you are, your brain is so caught up in that mindset, like mental abuse doesn't affect you because you just like, you're, you just shut it out. It doesn't matter how much they threaten you. You have a, you have a objective in your head and you're going to get there. And so like the physical abuse finally gets to him. Mm-hmm. And then we get, <laughs> when that happens, we actually get a scene that like, at least for me, sort of, like, solidified how, like, interesting of a character, like, his mistress was. What was her name? Julia. 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 Yeah, because they they make her out at the beginning of the movie when, like, you see her. She's just, like, in his uh, apartment. He has, like, a house outside of the city, an apartment in the city. And uh, she's just, like, crashing at his apartment and is, like, has, like, friends over, clearly, like, party the night before. Uh and so like the initial setup is like oh yeah she's just like this like schlubby guy with like some monies just like young mistress who's just like there for like his money right Mm. but as the movie goes on and it's like super solidified in the scene uh, she seems to like genuinely care for this man yeah yeah (laughs) like 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 she enjoys the chaos that he brings to some extent right like Mm. she 
uh, has like real affection for him, and she expresses that in uh, some interesting ways, <laughs> like mm-hmm. tattooing his name on herself when like like after a fight, like that's how she makes up with him after like a fight. <laughs> Is getting a tattoo of his name, and he's like, "Great, this is wonderful." <laughs> uh, like he's happy with it. They're like a weirdly like good couple. I don't know. It's yeah. It's Julia odd. Fox kills that role. She does really a really she good does job. a great yeah. job with it. Yeah, all the actors in this movie are great. Yeah, and a couple of them like it's literally their first. Or, like, their only role. Like, the guy who plays Nico, I, I went to his IMDb page. This is the only movie he's ever been in. Maybe but, he's a uh, real mobster, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he he looks like he could be. <laughs> he really looks like he could be. Yeah, and, I mean, Lakeith Stanfield's really good. He's really good in everything. Yep. Adam Sandler is really good at this serious role, which I it, it plays well into the Adam Sandler Hawaii theory of, like, all of his bullshit ass movies are just like him looking for an excuse to go to the beach with his boys and get paid fifty million dollars to do it, <laughs> and it's working. So good for him. I would do the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, mm. and he, every once in a while he'll make like an artsy movie, and you know, here, here's one and prove to everyone like, hey, no, I'm a real actor too. Uh-huh. You know, I can I can do good stuff. I guess I don't feel like doing it all the time. Sometimes I want to go on vacation. <laughs> Sometimes I want to just go drink and make $50 million. Yeah. Can't argue with that. I'd like to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. So just speaking of like the serious role stuff, this is another thing I brought up before we started recording. So when you look up this movie on Google, it comes up as like drama and thriller but yet netflix who produced i mean it's a netflix original isn't it no no it's not okay it's been on netflix for a really long time they've definitely got a a long-term streaming deal i don't think it's i think it was in theaters at first okay um netflix has it listed as a dark comedy and you know, when I think of dark comedy, I think of films like Vampire's Kiss, where I am actually laughing throughout the movie. I th- There was not, like, a single point in this movie that I wanted to laugh. Like, even in the scenes that, like, were kind of jokey, I was so stressed out <laughs> that I just, like, couldn't even utter a chuckle. Yeah, I feel like that is a similarly loose usage of that term to, like, promising young woman, right? Yeah, like, See, promising young uh, woman had, like, some actual jokes in there. There was very little in this movie that I was like, and, like, I'm supposed to laugh at that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of this it doesn't feel like a punchline so much as just, it, the movie wants you to go, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I Yeah, I agree. I, I do not think I would describe it as a comedy. <laughs> yeah, so this movie does so much stuff that just left me like flailing my hands and being like what are you what the fuck are you doing (laughs) like just like through my teeth cannot complete a sentence yeah it the okay so example that comes to mind and there are so many of them because again it's it's just the entire movie it's the whole thing (laughs) uh but the the one that sticks out is after he gets the stone back from Kevin Garnett, 
in this weird series of events and then sets up this elaborate harebrained scheme to have one of his like one of the dudes that he owes for something else is going to come in to this auction and uh what what do you call it an auction bid i almost said bet uh <laughs> yeah, well that's like his relative it's like not someone he owes money i think oh, it's okay. like, they're like related yeah <laughs> okay yeah, yeah it's a different relative comes in to bid against kevin garnett to drive the price up it's yeah it's his and he's like, is, isn't it like his dad or his father-in-law or something he has come in it's not the father-in-law because we see him it's somebody else i don't i don't know it's not it important who this guy is it, do, it does not it doesn't matter it's just a dude he's supposed to drive the pitting up he drive he's supposed to take it to like two like one ninety hundred ninety thousand because adam sandler keeps saying like kevin garnett will pay two hundred thousand dollars for this because I told him that it's worth millions. And then Kevin Garnett does not do that. He stops at 175. So now this guy <laughs> has to pay $190,000 for it. And then just gives it back to Adam Sandler. And then he's like, calls Kevin Garnett. And is like, come on, just pay 175 I got it back. I'll give it to you. It's like, why did you do that? Well, I'm just like, sitting there this entire time. Like, you didn't need to do this. You could have just let him actually bid on it. And he would have made a profit. Maybe not as much as you thought, but, like, so. <laughs> it's just, it's, oh, God. It stresses me out. Like, watching him, so it go from, like, oh, this thing's going to make me, like, over a million dollars. And then it gets appraised, and it's, like, no, it's going to make you <laughs> about $75,000 after you take out what you paid for it. And... They probably gave you like a lower like uh, estimate because you've been such a dick to them. <laughs> yeah, like they probably had it had the appraiser have it lower because they hate you. That's true. I didn't even mention that part. Yeah, because the whole thing is you're supposed to get the the rock in like two days ago, right? Mm-hmm. He fucking loaned it to Kevin Garnett. Yep. <laughs> A man who uh, is madly in love with the stone. Uh, it is also flying back and forth between Boston and Philadelphia to play a playoff series. Yeah. It's not even like... Huh. It was funny seeing him like pray to it in the locker room. Oh, yeah. Uh, did anyone notice that the coach's uh, like, little pep talk was just like... It made no sense. It was just like random phrases that didn't oh, even link together. They were <laughs> roasting Doc Rivers' ass in this movie. It was so funny. <laughs> Is that what was happening? I don't. I'm glad I, you're you're here because I know nothing about betting or sports. I so don't know good. if they did that on purpose, but I kind of think they did because okay. So Doc Rivers, the who was Celtics coach at the time, former Atlanta Hawks point guard, go Hawks. Uh, he won the he won a championship with the Celtics in 2008 and then that's the only championship he's won as a coach. He's sort of known for doing that kind of speechy thing of just like coach speak nonsense. I mean not necessarily nonsense but like oh like we got to believe in each other and fight for the we're like the, cockroaches we can't die <laughs> yeah that, the cockroaches yeah. lie is weird 
like calm down it was like a believable doc rivers like press conference slash halftime speech until the cockroaches thing and that was that was a little far strange uh, <laughs> but yeah i that somebody else at some point in the movie says something about doc rivers rotations which is another thing he's known for is like not using the kind of lineups that coaches typically do in the playoffs where they're you'll have a shorter bench and he did the same thing uh against the hawks two weeks ago one week ago and they lost uh he's also he has the most blown 3-1 playoff series leads in nba history as a coach fun fact go hawks right. also the <laughs> longest game seven losing streak uh yeah Anyways, go Hawks. Uh, <laughs> all that, yeah, it was it was just funny to be at that time specifically because again they had just lost that series to us. <laughs> so, because uh, he's now he's the 76ers coach now. He was in L.A. with the Clippers for a while, and then now he's in Philadelphia. Um, I think did they they might have fired him after this year actually. It was he went to Philadelphia or to LA either twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. So they might not have fired him, he might have quit. I can't remember. It's a whole thing. Not important. <laughs> um But yeah, I, I don't know. I got a kick out of the basketball stuff in this movie. Kevin Garnett being in the movie, once again, very funny. He's pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, he did a, yeah, good, he did a good job. Good job. Uh, um, like, I don't know how believe like I don't, it, he, he was so he was really weird in the movie like it's like the way they wrote his character but yeah also like as someone who doesn't know anything about the guy in real life but i do know that well, a lot of professional sports players are like very weird people right i don't think you get yeah. to that like level of being good at anything without being like kind of off in certain ways mm-hmm. and like if his thing is like intense superstition it's like believable enough i guess <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. he's definitely known for being very intense. I don't know about, like, weird rock guy intense, but... (laughs) yeah, He's he's a crystal Uh, healer. That's how how he heals his teammates. uh, You know, maybe. Prevents the coronavirus with crystals. A true disciple of the orbs and Marianne. Except she likes vaccines. She's cool. Sometimes. (laughs) Not important. Literally, who knows what she's up to. That's a good question, actually. I don't know that. I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know anything about Marianne Williamson. Don't listen to me. No one does. (laughs) Not, yeah. So, we broadly covered the fact that at the end of this movie, Adam Sandler gets shot in the head. Yes. Uh, (laughs) That's the gist of it. But yeah, so there's a whole sequence where... The mob guys and Arno show up to the jewelry shop and they like dangle him out the window because he tells them that he bet the money again, again, incredibly stupid, uh, on this ridiculous parlay. And they're like, you're an idiot. We're going to kill you. And then he's like, don't kill me. And then tells them where, uh, Julia is going, what casino. And they start to leave, but... Uh, Chekhov's door thingamajig. The door's messed up, so they walk out into like the the outer chamber, and then he just doesn't buzz them out or back in, and they can't get back in because the door's like 
messed up and it only oh, works no, if not... you jam a screwdriver in there. Oh, I thought that was, I thought, oh yeah, I, I was thinking it was just like a security door that like you just can't go all the way through unless you're buzzed out the other side. Yeah, which is also part of it, but it's like they can't f- force the, well. Yeah, the door is literally like jammed. Yeah. They they set it up so that it's like they can't like force the door either. Like they are stuck in this room. Uh, so now they have to sit outside of the glass bulletproof glass door and watch him watch this basketball game <laughs> and like freak out reacting to the various parts of the parlay starting to hit. Uh, which they do. Kevin Garnett gets the tip off and he gets it's like Kevin Garnett tip off. Uh, Kevin Garnett, 26 combined points and rebounds. Something with, like, Celtics leading at halftime and then Celtics money line. I think this one's just a four-way. Um, but a four-way that, again, starts with the tip-off. That's so dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> with $100,000. Um, but it's to win $1.2 million and Julia has taken the money to a casino in Atlantic City to place this bet. And she's, like, also watching and, like celebrating the game and starting to like freak out as it gets closer and closer to hitting and it's this weird kind of like sweet sports moment from a distance of like these two people being connected by rooting for this game except it's for gambling reasons and not they're not Celtics fans uh but still which is what is I mean that's the upside of sports gambling is you can just give yourself a stake in any game and make become a bigger fan of that team <laughs> than yeah. anyone has been previously. Automatically root for them. Yeah, it's like fantasy football. I, you know, I'm a big fan of anybody on my fantasy team. Exactly. And this guy has the added pressure of a man with a gun in a locked room <laughs> next to him. He's going to um, come out and shoot him if he messes up. Yeah. And then he does. He's so happy that he won $1.2 million. He's like, guys, I won $1.2 million. I'm going to open the door and let you in. We'll go get the money. And then instead, the guy shoots him in the head and he dies. Um, And it is this sort of like... I mean, it's obviously not a happy ending because the main character gets gets shot in the head. (laughs) Even though Julia gets away. But this is like... the, The movie, as much as we have talked about how like... I think the movie wants you to roast the guy, and I think it's okay to do that. It does want you to have some empathy for him, right? Because, like, he's really, like... I keep saying, like, this is psychotic behavior to keep doing this stuff. But it's it's not psychotic, it's just sick. Like, the guy has a disease. I mean, it's a literal addiction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, the... Gambling addiction is a very real addiction. It has been studied extensively at the chemical shit that it does to your brain like it's not a it's <laughs> it's funny in the sense of like look at this absurd situation that adam sandler's character in a movie is but like it's not funny in the sense of like he destroyed his entire life and got shot in the head there's a reason why when you drive through louisiana every ad for a casino has the hot lot has the gambling addiction hotline at the bottom of it it's uh it's it's a hot button topic in society for a reason. The the expansion of legal sports gambling and like daily fantasy sports and whether that qualifies as gambling and where it is or is not legal, stuff like the the fucking like Twitch 
slot streams. That's a whole other thing. Charlie's brief Counter Strike gambling. My brief Counter Strike. Yeah, that's... betting Counter Strike <laughs> skins on matches. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, that. Okay. All right. All right. Gamer, gamer rant for a second here. If you're not familiar, Counter Strike. It's a video game. It's a shooter. It's really, it's really cool. There's skins in that game that you get from loot boxes, which is also gambling. It's slot machines. You. Anyways. Yeah, and skins are they make your character pretty. Uh, yes, they make you look cool and have a cooler looking gun in the gun. They sound game. grosser than they are. <laughs> <laughs> True. That all this terminology makes no sense to someone that is not a gamer, but that's kind of our demographic, so whatever. Anyways, because Steam, the platform that Counter Strike is on has a marketplace where you can trade in-game items in certain games, including Counter-Strike. Now those things have value outside of the game. So people created betting sites where you could bet on professional Counter-Strike matches with the skids. And of course, one thing this led to was teams throwing matches for skins (laughs) that they would then cash out via PayPal to make thousands of dollars by throwing some of these digital skins are worth thousands of dollars yeah the i think the most expensive transaction ever just happened where some people met up in real life and did like a it was like three hundred seventy five thousand dollars cash oh my for a like one of the uh souvenir dragon lore ops that some crazy shit (laughs) Oh my god, I had no idea it was getting like that serious. Because like most of the people who are gambling this stuff are just children, right? Like it's yeah. not. Yeah, it, was it wasn't me. like yeah, it was like Charlie I, yeah. as a kid. Right? I like, I was not... nineteen or twenty, and I was playing this game, and I was like, I can sports bet these worthless shitty skins that I got playing this game, and I did, and that was fun. But then it blew up into this whole thing where people were streaming themselves on Twitch on other casino sites of <laughs> Counter-Strike skin gambling with, like, slots and roulette and, like, blackjack and shit. Yeah, it wasn't and even I, just betting on games. It's literally just, like, put your in-game items in a slot machine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so that this site can hoard them and then PayPal them and make money. But, you know, and I, you know, looking at, like slots of roulette i was like well that's you know nobody wins that game but i was like oh blackjack i'll try i'll try blackjack i said this as a joke at the start but like i did i played blackjack on the internet with counter-strike skins and i lost <laughs> all of them <laughs> they're gone uh and it was it was like ten dollars worth it wasn't like hundreds or thousands of dollars like some people did um, and then you ran into the um, issue of streamers owning the site or having a stake in the site showing fake footage of them winning and then uh uh, yeah just like tricking kids into gambling away all of their digital monies on a site that would actually never pay out yeah basically yeah crafting a an advertisement in their like live stream via like manipulating the payouts of the site crazy stuff yeah that that shit got off the rails man you got like actually it's like very illegal right like people yeah i don't know if anyone went to jail 
It definitely but got kicked off Twitch, which is the same thing. So. Phantom Lord is still banned from Twitch, which uh, to be. the best of my knowledge. Uh, some other people, there were some other people where like nobody could ever prove anything, and they still have ongoing careers. If your child asks, if your child asks for a credit card and references a man that goes by the name Phantom Lord or anything close to that, mm-hmm. just tell them no. Keep your card. Don't. Yeah. Don't give it. Do not indulge that child. Yeah. But it's like such a pipeline too, with the starting with the loot boxes. Yep. Like that. That again is just gambling. You open a loot box and you get a red line AK, and you're like, oh, oh that was nice. What if I turn this red lion AK into a dragon lord, and then you lose the red lion AK, and then you never do it again? <laughs> but some people spend their mom's entire credit card yeah, on it, or then you start buying skins to bet off the Steam marketplace. Yeah, uh, w- whether I did that, not important, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a listen. Listen, I didn't lose more than like fifteen dollars. It's fine. Hopefully, my Parents do not listen to this episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then it's sort of happening again, not with it's not Counter Strike gambling anymore, it's literal online gambling. There's a whole thing. Just regular like, gambling, yeah. Yeah, it's just playing online slots and then but like th- there's a whole thing right now where the site that some of the streamers were using isn't technically licensed to operate in the US. So they were like, they live in Texas because every streamer moved to Austin for some reason, I guess for tax purposes. But we're just like VP, VPNing into like Turks and Caicos or some shit. Uh, and then suddenly a couple of them just uprooted and moved to Canada out of nowhere. <laughs> so that's interesting. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> not to speculate, that would be inappropriate uh, considering my job but uh, it is interesting <laughs> um all that to say i mean we're just we're just sharing our personal now again none of us live in a state where we can gamble we've never been to vegas or atlantic city or anything <laughs> just our our the the nerd shit in our periphery that we're aware of like you know i've seen what this shit can do to people uh in this movie it compiles that feeling into a two-hour ball of stress and agony very well. Yes. It's very effective. Yeah. I thought it was a good-ass movie. I enjoyed it. I may never watch it again because, uh, again, it was very stressful. <laughs> it was great. But yeah. I, I if, you have, if you're feeling anxious at all, maybe skip this one until you're in a better place. Because <laughs> this, uh, th- this movie can... Uh, you definitely, especially if you like, tend to empathize with the characters a lot. Man, this guy is just like barely hanging on for just two hours straight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, it's. I think it was fortunate timing for me that I watched this movie in like the week that I am the least stressed I have been in over a year. <laughs> yeah, right. So, it, was good, it was good timing. Yeah, you see, know? I'm uh, watching this movie right after buying a house and now being several hundred thousand dollars in debt. So. Buying a house will do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, ho- as long as they don't put up any sort of uh, house slots, <laughs> you just bet your whole house Jeez. on something. I mean, hell, people people put their deeds down on things. Don't bet your house on a parlay that starts with a tip on a basketball game. 
Or do. Hey, it worked out for this guy. <laughs> don't listen to Will. <clears throat> yeah, don't listen to me. <laughs> if you have managed to follow this episode without having seen this movie, I kudos to you. I, I'm sure we're all over the place, too. I know that for a fact. So, I definitely, this, you know, you should watch this movie if you haven't. There's my recommendation. Watch, watch Uncut Gems. If you are appropriately not stressed. <laughs> uh, would you guys like to also make a recommendation, or did we just do that by accident? Uh, I'd say watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. I really like this movie. I think it basically nails like everything it's trying to do, and like nothing... I don't know. It's just like super solid, well-realized, pretty, well-acted, well-written. Great. I loved it. Yeah, like, I... I... I agree. It's it's a well-directed, well-acted movie. And, like, I know I talk about it making me stressed. And like Charlie said, I'll probably not watch this movie again because of how stressed it made me. But the fact that it was able to make me feel that way just kind of really hammers home how well-directed this movie is. Yeah. It's, it's funny because... Uh, okay, so a movie that we did a couple months ago now. Christ, it's, we've been doing this thing for way too long. Close uh, to a year. Almost a year. Coming up almost on. a year, yeah. Two two episodes away. Oh, is this episode when we 50? Did... Huh? Yeah, this is episode 50. Woo! Yeah, woo. Uh, yeah, episode 50, woohoo. Uh, when we did <laughs> Nomadland, I think what a lot of it, what all of us said about that movie was like, the feeling that it's trying to convey, it did that through the art form of film extremely well with the cinematography and the acting and everything. But at that feeling was like being really sad and it was a huge bummer. And that wasn't something that we personally wanted to feel at that time. So the recommendation was like, do you, do you want to experience that? Right. And I just think it's funny that like, do you want pain? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have pain. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny how much more averse we were to, like, that than this. <laughs> yeah. It's like... This is, uh, it helps that, like, th this one kind of kept the energy up more, you know? And it felt more... It felt like I couldn't really get this experience anywhere else, whereas, like, parts of Nomadland felt a little, like... Yeah, some of it just feels like I'm just, like, looking at nature scenes and, like... <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, Nomadland is really, really good at what it does, and I have no problem with it having won the Oscar. Uh, but it's not like the only movie that has done that feeling well to really well or exceptional. I can't think of another movie where like the goal of the movie was just to stress, <laughs> stress yeah. and chaos, and just show you a man's life unraveling at a pace that you've probably never seen before. Yeah. Maybe, uh, what what did we watch two weeks ago? The Michael Douglas movie? Falling Down. Falling Down. Uh, that wasn't about stress. That Well, it, and, you know, it kind of was. It it's not as good was. as this movie. This is a much better movie than Falling Down. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's my point. Is it does, it, This does it as well as anything I've ever seen. So, anyways, I'm rambling now. It's a good movie. We didn't talk about the cinematography that much because that's not really our thing because we're not experts it's good they do really good stuff with the camera it makes you feel stressed stressed that's uncut gems watch it if you want to stress the fuck out all right 
Cool. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it as always. New episodes every Thursday. Like we said, two weeks away from one year for which we will probably not do anything special because uh, probably have a regular episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a regular episode because we all have jobs that we have to do. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we appreciate it when you listen, so keep doing that. Be sure to leave a like, rating, review, whatever you do on the podcast platform you use. It really helps us out. Plugs, Park. Uh, the people can find me on Instagram at summerhour underscore brewing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WillPostsWords, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Will Johnston. And me, uh, twitter.com slash charliebposts for video games. All right, cool. That's the show. Thanks again. We will see you next Thursday with episode 51. Uncut gems. Stress. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>